Welcome to the first fireside thing. I call them fireside chat just to make my myself more entertained. But uh, we have four people joining us in this first one. Uh, one is myself. Uh, the first, the other one is Dylan Fedig. Say hello, Dylan. Hello. He's the the dole, the director of the expansion. We also have Felix Peroni, who's at work right now, so he has like a board behind him. And then the third one is Jonathan Milliman. That's correct, right? From uh, CMU. He was the bow tie at this year's Nationals. Uh, I think he's graduating and then becoming graduate student, or is a graduate student? Oh, no, I'm not graduating. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, we have like four, four things on the schedule today, and then one more as we get to it. I understand John has to teach you the morning, so... We'll, we'll get to his thing first, which is uh, increasing the roster size of the bench. Sorry, increasing the size of the bench, um, not the roster. Uh, same thing. Yeah, I, semantics. Um, <laughs> um, John, why don't you try to introduce your um, policy? All right, cool. Um. So basically, it's a pretty simple policy. It's just moving um, from a roster of 20 people to 25. And then once you have, um, so it just means that we're 10 reserves uh, on the team instead of five. Pretty simple. Okay, so. This is, yeah, it's generally, a, we didn't end up getting that because it was kind of late-ish. We didn't, uh, Felix posted almost every every rule that we're going to discuss over these these little simple little meetings just to discuss uh, in the forum. That was the one thing that's not in there, but basically it's pretty simple. It allows more teams to bring more people to the events, and it definitely uh, increased JMU, has a lot of people on their bench and potential bench. Uh, CMU had a problem, it, like, just, like, not too long ago had a problem bringing uh, people to their event, but they, they bounced back, and their program's a lot stronger now. DePaul in itself has a really good program. What do you guys think? <clears throat> I, I saw a few things at Nationals this year with certain teams. They didn't even play the, the full 20 that they brought. Um, I know for for one, I know that there were two players from Ohio State who pretty much rode the bench the entire time anyways. Um, and I think they were there just for injury purposes, just as a safety net. But I'm, I've never been in favor of this rule just because some teams obviously have more pools, such as JMU, Grand Valley, and Central Michigan. They have larger larger audiences to pull from, but schools, smaller schools like WKU or UWP or um, even Kentucky this year, they don't have a lot of students. And so it seems like it's more fair just to take your top athletes rather than just packing the bench full of people to join in but not necessarily play. 
Yeah, and that's the tough thing. Um, when we had the vote last year, we had a preferential vote for changing the size of our game, and it ended up being uh, a shoot between rosters of 15 regardless. Uh, we, we did a little bit smaller, like we had variations of 8, 10, 12, and 15. Uh, most of the teams that voted in that election voted almost all for 15 players. Um, and then it was a it was a shoot between defining that 20-man roster for an event or defining, you know, mo as much as you can do and only 24 specific match within an event. Um, obviously, we had we had 20 people, uh, a general basis of 20 people, but I know DePaul would bring 22 to 23 and then swap people out between matches, and that was a common thing for JMU, especially Saginaw. Saginaw did that for a lot of their teams, and they got to, to play like a lot of their lower lower class people against DePaul when they played at Nationals, and, and generally more people played dodgeball. Uh, and that's the thing that we have to look at and the kind of balance between it. I mean, I don't feel that's a competitive advantage for any of the upper echelon teams, like Grand Valley, Essential, or Kentucky, or Ohio State. Like, it's not making the competitive advantage any different. It's just allowing more people to play. That's, like, my standpoint on the matter. And, like, especially against, like, a team like DePaul that likes to have fun. I mean, if you are traveling with 20 people... You can bring an extra five people and count the match even still. They get more um, experience. I feel it's beneficial for both parties. Yeah, I'm looking at the vote from uh, last year, and we did actually vote on the 25-man roster. That was one of the options, and there was six teams that chose that as a first option. So there are Apparently, is some interest in that. Yeah, I, I would actually think it would be useful to bring up for another vote. Um, and I'd also like to be I, a very tangent to this is a uh, useful to see what our game, what people want our game and the size of our game to be. Because I know we had a vote for twelve a twelve player um, thing, and I know. That'll be just easier for coming from DePaul. Like we're we're all from Michigan, and Felix the only one with a with the really hard uh, player troubles aside from Jim uh, CMU's in the past. But still, it it was it's so much harder for a younger team to bring out the minimum of ten people even. And if I was always in favor, not always, but in the past. Uh, couple months and year I've been moving towards thinking about a 12-player roster and uh, 12 players on the court and something a little bit more manageable. But the history of our league is using – we grew up playing big, large-scale games just to get as many people as possible playing. So I guess it would be really good to go to a vote. Thoughts? I mean, I'm all in favor for definitely a vote. Um, there's no 
I, I definitely won't be opposed to it if that's what most of the league wants. But um, my personal opinion is I, I'm more I'm more in favor for reducing the number of players to 12 on the court with 17 on the bench. That's where I would like to see this league to go. But again, I'm not a player anymore. I'm just on the administrative yeah, no. side. And it's from from our two perspectives. Where I mean, Dylan is just joining the alumni in a couple weeks, but it's hard to look at it and, and go like and see the teams that that struggle that are new and come in and they can't get play. They can they can barely get ten people to play, even in the regular dodgeball nights, uh, much less travel. Um, so even if we don't uh, knock down that that 15-player roster and, like, maybe even open that up. I would still like to see maybe even an NCDA-style rules on with a six- or eight-man team and a separate double league because uh, that would that would increase our exposure. And it definitely, in, in looking at our competition aspect, I think somebody's going to come in as a collegiate league uh, and, and snap up a six-on-six six if we mm-hmm. don't capitalize on that. Uh, right now, college college kids like taking giant road trips and playing other giant dodgeball games, and that works to our favor. But I think in the future we might need to have two separate leagues or uh, define our game smaller in order to compete and have more, more schools doing stuff. I think the, the problem with that is that you need people... I mean, for the most part... People are only going to be there for four years, so if you don't make roster your freshman year, you're going to be discouraged and you might not come back next year. And if you have a big class that's like ten people, they all graduate at the same time, your, your club's just done because that's your team, basically. Yeah, so, definitely a big, a big balancing act. Right. Can I hear? Uh, I haven't heard the twelve moving down to twelve man person. Uh, can you like tell me why that's? You think that's a good idea? Sure. I just feel like. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I just think it's just it's a more competitive game. Um, I know that. I mean, if you take my favorite thing right now that we have in dodgeball is the six on six overtime, just because you take the top players from each team and they go against each other. Um, most teams. Most teams that are not in the top four or five uh, ranking, I believe that they all have at least one or two players that are just on the court and are almost a liability. And so if you take away those players and you make it more competitive, just taking the top tier players, I think that's where it should go. That's what, that's what I think it should go towards. I just feel like... Um, reading what Zygmunt put up the other day and then hearing that thought, mm-hmm. it's almost not differing. Like, we're almost saying that we want to bring more people into our league, mm-hmm. but then we want to hinder how many people can actually travel and see the games and experience the games. So it's like we want to expand, but we want to keep it as minimal, uh, as, as small as possible at the same time. So I'm right. just like, like I'm getting conflicting reports. Yeah, um, as far as my situation is, as an official, it's really hard to do 15 on 15 
Um, in a lot of ways, we're getting a lot better at that, as in relying on a four-man mechanic and not just a three-man mechanic being a head ref and two shot clocks. Um, it's in, incredible. In a lot of it would be if you're if you're still doing a four-man mechanic and having 12 on 12, that's a little bit less and a little bit more space to work with. Uh, and like a not less more action, but there's there's so many different ways you could do it, and I think that balancing act of of allowing large scale dodgeball, uh, being true to our roots, it's hard to move those two together. Mm-hmm. Something that's manageable and 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 open to new teams. Um, I think that's why so many people were afraid of the eight men the eight-man team, which was the lowest-ranked option of the the five options in that one vote last year because it was just so drastically different, and it would just cut the league in half. Um, it would cut that league that league picture in half. There would be 16 times eight people, which is uh, not a lot. It's 120 people. Uh, I mean, that's correct. Probably not. But, yeah, generally, it's a hard decision to make. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm lucky that it's not just my call. It's and it's the rest of you guys' call. Right. I mean, I guess my 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 big thing is personally that's where I would like to see the league go. But if we decide as an organization that we want our we want our uh, our mission to be to spread dodgeball across the country and to open it up to as many people as possible, then I'm I'm okay with larger rosters. But if we want a more competitive game, and um, more highly skilled games, I think that the the lower numbered rosters would be in favor for that. But that's just again yeah. my personal opinion. But I, yeah. I'll definitely uh, support actually, whatever. Um, actually, a good comparison of this is DePaul's own experience in Elite compared to NCDA. Their NCDA rosters are open invitation generally. Uh, DePaul is in a case where they're doing 15 on 15 a week at their local dodgeball nights, and their rosters aren't that competitive. It's more of whoever can go and, and pay. And it's nice that uh, they're allowed to do most of their roster and swap people out during the year. As, a pair, as compared to their elite roster, which is very competitive, um, and DePaul generally just doesn't do a lot of, a lot of intense stuff that they do at uh, the NCAA matches, so there, it's a little bit more... There's players at DePaul that, that are great people that wouldn't be able to play in Elite just because they're so competitive, and especially the North region is, is a very competitive entity, so they're very different. I mean, Dylan, do you have any comparisons on the outside from DePaul? Well, that's a, that's a good comparison because, you know, DePaul's usually... You, they're undefeated, but you usually count that as a win when you play against them in NCDA. But in Elite, yeah, they, they, we lost to them last year in Elite, so they're a real team. Yeah, no. But, it's... but it's also you know, not all those guys are on the are in school right now, so that's that might be your like most of your best guys that have gone through that program. So, and you didn't have them all there at the same time. So 
yeah, agreed. The alumni, some of the alumni have, have flown into the, the DePaul. And that's the same thing. They don't want to, uh, Elite as an organization didn't really want to use any university names um, for right. legal reasons, which is fine. I get it. I've been there before we've done, before I started doing NCAA stuff. Uh, but yeah, I get that's that's a that's a comparison. Uh, any touching last thoughts on that? Next one. I think I think that's the, the Felix song. <laughs> we're gonna move on um, thanks John really for that suggestion and writing that stuff up I, I really appreciate it um, definitely me and Felix and, and the rest of the exec board definitely appreciate anybody that takes the time to write out a proposal absolutely because it, it's just gonna be me and then and someone on the executive board writing it up not uh, a problem and especially if it gets just lost and written at national, or lost and spoken at nationals, it could get lost. So thank you. That being said, I suggest everyone to go and read the proposal. And yes, please. We'll, yes, uh, we're gonna post it up there tonight after the end of the meeting. So. Thank yes. you. Uh, you're welcome to stick around as long as you're able. Uh, so. I'll hit the bed. All right. See you. Thanks. Hi, John. Drum roll. <laughs> uh, next one up on the uh, discussion right now is the shot clock definition. Uh, this is redefining th rule 3.3.4.1, um, which is a 10 second shot clock inconsistent uh, or 10 second clock shot clock consistent for the entire match. Yep. Proposed by Felix and Bonus um, many times over. Felix? Um, the reason that I suggest this is we're... I just I hear so much complaining from players and from audience members that the game is just too slow. It's just... It's stall ball. And so this was just the simplest fix that that I thought of. And I'm sure this is what Bonus was thinking too, although I can't speak for him. That by increasing or decreasing the the shot clock count, you're speeding up the game. Um, whether this is true or not, I'm not sure. I know that Kevin Bailey posted on the forum saying that that people might not throw as many legitimate throws. It might just be throws to reset the shot clock since they feel rushed, which is definitely a good point. And players might throw out their arms, but this is just a a simple type of um, fix that I thought might be able to speed the game up. Yeah, no, it's a very difficult thing to take a look at our game and then see that people are working against time and not just generally playing dodgeball. And that's when you have a clock that ends up being a focus is a uh, to work against the clock, work with the clock, work against the clock. Um, I think a lot of our shot clock violations and 
making uh, the game go faster is really beneficially enforced by a good official uh, mechanics and enforcement of the shot clock. So at Nationals, you, uh, Felix, had a bunch of cases where we were using the time timepieces, which are well within our rules. Can't have a beard over a beard. I know it didn't work. Uh, um, and I do the same thing with my with my refs, especially in when I was uh, refing for most of the the later half of Sunday. I had the shot clocks looking at the clock, referencing, making sure they were, they were doing correct seconds, and it kept the game going significantly fast. And we didn't really call a lot of shot clock violations because teams were keeping up with it. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same at the same time, I like to think that shot clock officials and and shot clock time timekeepers generally need a very very experienced official. So like if you're that's why I want more officials in the league in general because <clears throat> I know I could officiate the shot clock very well. I did. I, would, I know where the the LAZ is going to end up. I have a general feel for it, and your experience with it gives those leaps and bounds in keeping the game in a, in a good tempo. Um, and, and in many cases, you know, Felix and I, if we're going to be the only. <laughs> Experienced people at, at the we're going to get stuck to head ref duty uh, or even assistant ref duty because it's just so needed. My my little rants on on if we just properly uh, officiate the clock generally it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely help. Um, shot clock we usually give that to the newer refs, but it's actually it takes like. It takes experience to be able to, and confidence to be able to say that wasn't a good enough throw. You throw again, or it falls over because you're gonna have t- people screaming at you, and younger guys aren't aren't really uh, inclined to do that. No, it, it is that for that exact reason, and, and standing up to a player and 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 whistling, saying no, that was not. I'm gonna keep counting, and then whistle when it does happen. Yeah, I, if that happened more, if if the shot clock officials had more uh, confidence to to call that and you know call it once, and then you call one shot clock o- a game a ball violation, usually the teams will start thinking they're not running over you essentially. Right. Uh, right. It takes a strong official to do that, and that's why I say the assistant ref is the one you should be giving the new people. And, and shot clock should be your your more veteran veteran people. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, go ahead. I think uh, TJ was shot clocking one of our first games on Saturday, and he's he's new to the game. And so when I was out or when I was sitting out at the point, I would just sit right next to him and and help him. And if I if I thought it was not good enough, I would tell him to. To call it, he—I mean—he was afraid to call it on my team, but I just said, "Come with it. If you think it is, and call it." It's I, the confidence—it uh, goes a long way. Right. And I think TJ—he—he he did really good at the end of the and at the end of the day in the first couple matches. It really helped that that, uh, like you said, you were doing it, and I, and uh, I had him with Bonus. He was 
trying to do a little bit of teaching and yeah like that so well one thing that I always do is I always have the the shot clock official stand on the opposite side of the court from me yeah. and then that way and, and I try to do it after every throw that's that's kind of iffy I'll give right. a left th thumbs up for that shot clock if it's good or I'll I'll tell them to continue on right. that way yeah. I'm helping them as well yeah that was definitely a uh, I think that's a mechanic that we were that we were doing in the last couple games, and I think it's a mechanic that we need to write in the rule book for the next year because it was a really good uh, mechanic for the head ref in a three-man mechanic, and and definitely good for uh, us. Yes, bravo! Uh, it definitely good for a four-man mechanic. I know in the last match. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not, the Grand Valley Saginaw game, which was the semifinals that that me and Felix did. Uh, Felix was a ref on the side with the shot clocks. The mm -hmm. job, the a ref's job, is to to keep time, and he was he was doing yes, thumbs up, keeping them in time, and I was doing the same thing. We were all echoing each other, yep. and that's definitely a really good a mechanic in working together. And I think that's what the singles are for. Uh, yeah. As far as I mean, getting back to the the ten second consistency, we have it in overtime for six people, and and that's it works well there. But I don't think for fifteen minutes of game time, or even a potential forty minutes of game time, which is allowed under the rules in certain conditions, uh, I think that's just too much time to keep people throwing. And I think it, it definitely would in, uh, result in a lot of crappy throws just to try to reset the shot clock. Yeah. I think the balance between the five-man rule um, and the 15-second the shot clock is good. Although I don't like the shot clock. Never really did. I like a more a better approach to it. And I've done a, there's so many things you could do think about as an armchair armchair official to see what will, what will make the game better it's difficult yeah. yeah you can you could always have an odd number of balls and whoever has the most throws yeah but there's the burden the burden ball from elite which is a very useful idea um, yeah that's it's some of that discussion this is one of the one of the discussions that will probably be revisited in a lot of different um, things over the thing over the period of summer. So we can always revisit. Yep. Have somebody write up a, a potential and then we'll hash it out. Right. Chair meetings. Um. I think we got everything covered on that. At least everybody that said Peter says Bailey says balls over a lot. Yeah. Alright. That probably covers that one. Uh, next up on our next up on our uh, schedule is the forfeit policy, which is actually really old, um, was actually when Bonus was commissioner. He is one of his first uh, 
decisions as the commissioner was to develop this policy, and then it ended up getting deleted. We deleted stuff. Yeah. Um, so we don't have the original policy, but I I was one of the people that that kind of helped. I was one of the first people that actually like wrote something out, and then Bonus uh, refined it essentially. So. Felix has one, Dylan has one, and then I have an adaptation between Felix's. That's an actual rule. I just I, I took the the hour to write out a policy as it would appear yeah. in the Constitution, essentially, um, and then taking Dylan's thing. So let's let's discuss. Dylan, go first. Um. Well, I think that uh, a forfeit. I think the 10-day is a good amount of time, and if they cannot attend due to uh, extenuating cir circumstances, then the the executive board would be the ones to make the final decision on if they forfeit a loss or not. Basically, um, I think it removes any negative attitudes that the captains might have to each other if they're like, please don't vote for us, please don't vote for a forfeit, and the other team's like, well, we really want to win, so mm -hmm. we're taking it. Um, there's there's negative attitudes there. And then even if even if we did a majority vote or something like that, the one of the captains might get angry at all the other captains for voting to not accept it or to accept it either way. But basically, um, if you let the executive board decide it, then all they can be mad at is the people in charge, and that's always going to happen. So, Yep. Um, I think that particular is having the executive board as the voters is probably a neater solution. And... Uh, Especially the condition of the executive board is it's supposed to be some alumni that are acting uh, objectively and, and for the, the benefit of the league as a whole. Right. They can make an a, a unbiased decision and not really rely on on giving people rules. Because originally, right. I had it the other way, and I think Dylan's is a much better way to handle it. Yeah, I agree. Um, one tangent I included was uh, do we include some type of criteria within the, the natural, the actual uh, language of the Constitution towards extreme weather or extenuating circumstances or some kind of specific examples for the, to guide that decision? Well, I mean, it could always be like the case study or the case book where we could just talk about different situations where where it would be allowed, such as like <clears throat> Wisconsin-Platteville going to the DePaul tournament this year. Um, yeah. We didn't want them risking their lives driving three or four hours or however long it is in uh, an icy abyss just to play dodgeball. And, and uh, a couple people did bring up that it wasn't just me, but it was like the people that brought up that that's a legal consideration for the league, and I didn't yeah. really think of that. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, it could be, you know, it's we don't really have any waivers in the league at all. Yeah. 
that's a that's something we will add next year. <laughs> yeah, well, but um, as far as that goes, you can kind of take a look at the the forfeit language. I mean, everyone else can look at it. Um, I have to yeah, read the numbers, uh, but I think it. I think that covers everything. Yeah, I don't really know how you would how you would make a casebook for the Constitution. Though, so yeah, that might be goofy. Yeah, no, I'm just saying like different situations. Right. Uh, not necessarily a casebook, but just like examples, I guess. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. We do have a guideline book, but it's more like uh, how to name a podcast. Right. Which could be the similar thing, but I, right. I think I think if we we've already established some precedents with it already, and it's generally yeah. not a thing just to give a team a forfeit regardless. Right. I think the idea is giving a team a forfeit if they're dropping out, but then not you know having a good situation behind it. Yeah. And I think the the precedent itself will probably sort itself out. Right. Well, and I and I I suggested in mine where if a if another team is able to take their spot, um, yeah, put that in. Kinda, it it eliminates the forfeit possibility, and I feel like that's fair because you're not really messing up anything other than like if Miami is the team to drop out and Grand Valley were to take their spot, then it kind of shifts the the momentum. But yeah. I mean, you still get to play three or four games of dodgeball. Yeah, and um, you didn't really specify in your wording, but uh, I don't know how we would deal with it if there was, like, five teams going and you were only going to play three of them. Would everyone get a win? Or That was another thing I didn't know how to, how to handle, so I wanted to ask. Right. Um, originally on the, the Pivotal Tracker thing, I, I wrote a, a big tournament clause yeah. where... <laughs> I don't remember how I worded it. I think it was just like, if the schedule was already set, those teams would get an automatic win. But if the schedule had not been set, then only then the team would only get losses, but nobody would get wins. I don't know. It was just, I, I didn't really know what to do. So um, I like just limiting it to uh, like four... Four losses. You, it's uh, we don't really want to put a lot of forfeits in the book. We want it as a penalty um, for not coming to a, a tournament. We don't really want it to just hand out wins to right. other teams, um, which generally screws up the strength of the other teams, like the, the just the general um, statistical ba uh, ba basis of it. And generally, forfeits don't look good for your organization. Yeah, it shows that your teams aren't aren't going in, so we need that, uh, a nice little balance between between those two things. Uh, preventing forfeits by, by a penalty and, and, and giving people wins based on, and you know, and preventing a lot of these people, <laughs> these people in the league uh, pay for court time, especially so it, it's a financial thing. Uh, yeah. If one team doesn't show up, it's, it's a financial loss as opposed to the loss of dodgeball being played, which is the more theoretical. In uh, 2000, 
14 when WKU went up to Kent for the Ohio Dodgeball Cup. Um, Bowling Green dropped out the morning of, and Miami dropped out. I think it was, I think it was a week before. It was enough time, so we drove the seven and a half hours up to Kent and only got to play Ohio State and Kent State. And yeah. it kind of sucks driving all that way to only play two games when you were expecting at least three and possibly four. Um, yes. So I mean that is. That is part of the league. Um, yeah, that we had the, the the balance between the things. So hopefully that this will be okay. We'll we'll have to figure out. We'll definitely have to to think about it. I three, yeah. four games in one day is huge. That's so many games. I I really think a three, you know, up to three is probably a better. Yeah. A lot of tournaments now, a lot of the bigger tournaments now, they're playing four games, four games in a day. And the entire nationals, it's play three and then you play one on the other day and you're wiped out. Yeah. I mean, the entire time I played in the NCDA, I only played one tournament where we had four and it was, it was awful. It was at the beast in 2013. We played four games that day and I was just, I was dead. I don't know how these players are doing it now, but also, I mean, I'm, I'm old now, so. <laughs> no, it's uh, old, oldness. Yep. Um, I invited Dylan back in. He got lost. Okay. He's playing around with the beard. Simples <laughs> generator. Draw. Let's see. <laughs> um. Little do people know this, but in the executive board, it's all cactuses and pushing. <laughs> it's all from Felix. Yep. Makes it 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 lightens up my day. It really yeah. does. <laughs> See those cactus, and especially the cactus that I was really happy, which I got to th- I got to throw out to you today. But it's like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like the one where he's super sad because his cactus friend has disappeared. <laughs> that thing is terrible. It's like watching the beginning uh, sequence of the movie Up. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, Dylan, I'm back. He doesn't know. He does not know what he's doing. I had to move to a uh, corded connection. Um, so, I mean, we were just, uh, cleaning up the last of the forfeit. Um, I brought up that three games max is probably a better condition. Okay. Based on our current match length. That's three hours of dodgeball. I don't know. What do you think? As opposed to four or five or unlimited. How would you decide... Who got the wins then? Probably the executive board. <laughs> um, um, it's difficult because it's it's so much better. Um, actually, there was a small rule that or policy that we tried to get people to do this year, which was define your define your matches ten days before. Yeah. That situation, um, and people just still aren't aren't making their schedules or even submitting them to the league, which is we really need those in order to make sure you guys are reporting the matches in the order that they're being played. 
Um, there's many, there's many things behind it, but. Uh, well, what if we just, what if we just gave a loss to the teams, but not reward any wins if a tournament is larger than five teams? So if, if you, if you can still get in four games in a day or three or four, whatever we decide in a day, then we just penalize the team that didn't show up. But if you have a three-team or four-team tournament, then all of those other teams would get a win because they're playing one less game of dodgeball than they typically would. Yes. I, I do like that you um, you basically said to give them a, a overtime loss win, basically, so they only get one point. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my, my very, very old... Uh, Old thing. My That's a good one, idea. Was, I was like, it's it's not really, you know, it's you want to award. So if you give them an overtime win, loss. <laughs> you gave them an oh okay so overtime Real loss. Money. If you give them an overtime right. loss, right? And the Gonzalez, it's pretty much kind of half. Like it's almost you fought to that point, and you give them less points. So uh, I like that. If we bring that back, that'd be awesome. That that would be. Very, it's still uh, an OT, uh, OTL counts as a loss, but uh, it's less weight. I mean, right. It's, it's it's assigned many different ways. So that that's interesting. I I definitely like the OT loss rather than the regular loss. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just because like, I don't know. I don't want teams to just to build up an entire uh, record based upon forfeited losses. I know Kent State had five or six over or had five or six forfeit losses this year, and that sucks. It really hurts them, but uh, it hurts them in some ways. But like it's just it uh, it skews the that they would have played. Yeah, and I know. Actually, so I think. Um, either four, I think four of those matches, yeah, four of those were at one time. That's that's a big swing. Then again, we have a lot of a lot of games being played, but right, I still don't want to. It's it's a balance. I'm saying balance a lot because that's how we decide things. We don't want to, you know, the what's best. Yeah, I I mean I can I can see how it affects the um, NACL system, but I have no idea how the forfeits would affect other systems either. Um, Gonzalez is uh, less points exchanged, so normally say you're exchanging um, 0.5 points. Right. Rating exchange of 0.5 points. If you win to overtime, that'd be 0.25 points. Oh, so they, it's just recording as an overtime loss then. Yeah, yeah. it's it's um it's a multiplier a multiplier that's that's variable, and the same thing goes for the prony system. We actually so normally you would lose points for losing, but if you go into OTL, you don't lose as many points because you fought that way. And that's almost uh, the same goes for NHL. Like you. You officially go because you rent regulation, uh, the NHL and champ. You get one point 
for each team, and then the next point, the next team gets the gets points for winning. Right. Essentially, right? so they, they all kind of do that, except for Lieblick, which doesn't um, track overtime at all. Yeah, well, that would be goofy if you. Uh, I don't remember what system you said, but you a team forfeits, but you lose points because they forfeited because technically you got an overtime loss from them forfeiting. No, well, I mean the it would count as an overtime loss to to the forfeiting team, mm-hmm. and then a forfeit win to the other team, which counts as a general win. But um, so in Gonzalez. The rating would be less, so the the win isn't as, oh, okay. All right, so. as big. So, say you're you're exchanging one, and uh, if you had a forfeit, you'd only be exchanging half a point. Gotcha. So it still rewards you for the win, but not as much. And not I think a, I think that's fair. No, yeah, Actually, that's okay. yeah. If you guys think it's good. Well, the only thing would be, specifically in the NHL system, we would have to give them one point. Right. Yeah. Just define it as a one point, which means I have to actually finish my my separation of that. Because right now it's doing fancy counting. And, okay. And opposed to the the way the, uh, the other Google Sheets count is they count per match. Uh, we would have to transfer it into that. That's just me rambling about stuff I need to do. That's okay. <laughs> yes. We have a total of one viewer. I think that's just somebody. I think that's just Google viewing YouTube. Oh. Perfect. People will do it later. We'll do it later. <laughs> um, all right. Do you guys want to get into one more thing? Sure. Okay. The next one up is the all-star game format. Okay. Um, we had some people angry about that. Yeah, no, it's it wasn't more of angry. It was more of, like, a discussion. And I love discussion, and that's probably why I'm doing something like this, is to kind of facilitate that. Uh, <laughs> no matter how you guys get. Um... Because Sam Sam first first came to me and he was he was uh he asked me about it and he's like well, how was it prepared this year and I was like well back in back in the early season uh, we proposed it to Nick and and as an executive board we kind of decided that Nick as director can kind of handle it uh, yeah. And as so far, each of the there's five, five year anniversary, which is weird. They've yeah. Been around this long, um, but uh, we had a, a couple cool a couple of cool things, and I think it, every year we've done the All Star Game, it's been fun, uh, at least preparing for it and, and getting it together. I really like the Monstars versus. Um, Brave Little Toasters, and the drafts we did, um, which was very cool. I, I like the drafts that we did. Um, 
I like teams playing in their own jerseys uh, as opposed yeah. to like an all-star shirt. Yeah, we should have done that this year. Um, yeah, I, that was my original plan, and then I think Nick just was like, oh, get everybody go get your shirts, and then I saw like 20 people running back to the, the yeah. closet. Someone yelled, at, someone yelled at everyone to get their shirts on. So. It's I a, I mean, it's, um, it was a very humbling experience to watch the rest of the league, all the participants crowding the rails above on, in the Preston Center. That was very humbling as a ref on the floor. Um, yeah, it's definitely more, fun to, definitely more fun to have a themed all-star game. Give someone give give everyone a reason to cheer for the team. Yeah. Well, and that's why Josh Raymer was originally the one who who came up with the idea of Michigan versus the world back in 2011, and yeah. he just wanted it just because he thought that it would just be a lot of fun because of just all the trash talking that would go on, and it worked. It was so much fun in 2011. I wasn't there to see it this year, but I heard that it was great that. Everybody in the crowd was into it. it was because I, the Ohio kids started shouting um, stuff towards Michigan, <laughs> uh, just because they don't like Michigan, and it was just it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. I don't know. Yeah. I liked I liked taking the balls from Michigan at the start of the point because we had he was supposed to be was supposed to be represented as as uh, with their own ball, and because Michigan only had four teams on their side. They only get four balls to start with. Um, so I, and then, like, the sheer disgust on some of the the people on CMU at Michigan State were just like, oh, my God, why are you taking the No, give me one. And like, no, you only get four. Uh, that was fun. And then the, the next point, we just I think the important thing to take, take away from it is it should be fun, and it should be a little bit more different. Um, more flavorful for each people that try to host it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I mean, looking back, the theme ones, the, the, the pure theme ones are fun. I think uh, Saginaw, we had a general... Every, like every team got four players or something. Yeah. yeah. And then we kind of, I don't know, how we split it up? They drew names out of a hat. Oh, the, yeah, the, that was the worst one. Yeah. I think the, the, the well, we do a hat tournament to Paul and it ends up bringing really well, but at the same time that the hat tournament is an entire day at an event. Right. Right. Play. And I think that that's probably why that, that failed. Because it was just. It was one and done. Something themed, like yeah. The drafts are really intensive, labor intensive. I remember just, I did enjoy the the, the pick the picking ceremony. Yeah. yeah, I think the captains enjoyed it too. Yeah, I mean, I had fun choosing, and I'm still really embarrassed what happened in 2013 when I wrote Dylan's name on my chest. And but I wrote it. I wrote it on my chest in blue sharpie or blue uh, marker, and it didn't show up on the camera. So it just looked like I was just showing my chest for no reason at all. <laughs> oh jeez. 
hilarious. Everyone was like, what are you doing? I got so many text messages like, why did you do that? <laughs> I was like, uh, did you not see his name? <laughs> the the oh, low res Google Hangouts. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess the point of takeaway is if we have fun with it, then we're going to do well. And I think the, the 40, 50 people that, that play in the game, uh, and, and then those that watch the game, will deserve something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alright, we're closing up on an hour of talking. Thing that you'd like to see discussed in turn before we have the next one. <clears throat> Off um, um, we could definitely talk about uh, the national tournament structure. That's yeah. Um, I want to. I want to create a survey and see how everyone liked what we did this year because I really yeah what we did you get one requested game you get one uh, at least one game where you haven't played that opponent before and then the other one's kind of closely matched yeah I want to see how people like that because I really didn't hear a lot of complaints this year there was a couple teams but Overall, it seemed to be good. It's it's a hell of a lot of work, but at the same time, if everyone likes it, it's worth it. Right. Um, as far as the feedback that I got, they, a lot of the people really liked that they played somebody in their strength level. Yeah. That was the big takeaway from, from at least from my perspective, was they liked playing somebody that was within reach. Yeah. It's not like we have a great amount of parity in the league. I really don't think we have as much as it should be, um, but I think we're a lot better. And I think that na the Nationals games that were rated and, and given based on that were perfect. As, as perfect as it could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think if um, in, a, in a world where exhaustion was not a factor... <laughs> Uh, last year's original pools is would be perfect, but that's not reality. The uh, the princess pools, right? Okay. Um, everyone playing yeah, close games as would be would be the best case scenario, but then everyone's tired. So yeah, I like the idea of two games, and then actually, uh, I brought this up as a vote in the executive board. Um, because I try to do it. I, I mean, I've I've been thinking about it a lot, and I, I kind of did it before uh, at nationals at OSU. But it was the idea of having two matches on Saturday, uh, right. guaranteed match on the next in the bracket, wherever it would be, um, and then dedicating some serious time to uh, you know some kind of fun stuff like a league um, banquet. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a true captain's meeting, some award ceremonies, uh, skills uh, challenges. Yeah, skills challenges. Uh, a, I, I was really considering because DePaul brought its its uh, DePaul and Mario 
they bought a speed gun and they've been bringing it to everywhere. Um, they bought it as as part of the club the club inventory. So uh, for their Penn State DePaul game, me and Mario were clocking people clocking people on the court. And well, Mario, DePaul and Penn State don't generally don't throw a lot. Well, they throw a lot, but they don't throw really hard. They throw like 45, 50, 50 mile an hour throws. Yeah. Um, generally, you know, uh, that skills competition, maybe a target uh, catching competition, uh, accuracy competition, a skill shot, a trick shot, stuff like that would would uh, be cleared that, that one game out of the schedule for everybody's schedules and replaced it with uh, some hard, great team amenities like that. Yeah. That's that's my dream. Yeah, if, if you take away one game for everyone, that's at least two hours that you're... you're yeah, it's it's like three hours, because uh, I think we did an hour and 45 or an hour and 15 yeah. between right. Each, right. each thing. Right, so. two and a half. <clears throat> I mean, I mean that would be that would be really cool. And some of the best feedback I got was people really liked our south lawn, and they liked playing kickball outside, and it, they just enjoyed being with the other teams and hanging out with them. Yeah. And yes. so I don't know. While dodgeball is like the the reason it brings people together, a lot of these guys just like to hang out with each other. I I just enjoyed. I really liked how when we went to B-dubs on Saturday night, just hanging out with Zig, Becky, and Vansois. Yeah. And that was fun. It was cool just to joke around and mess with some of the DePaul guys at the adjacent table. Yeah, no, it was... Well, you, you, couldn't see, you couldn't see Shaw there because it was in, in camouflage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was having fun over there, too. Uh, yeah, it was... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think if we if we turn at least that one last game where everyone's tired, um, or just turn Saturday into to something, we yeah, it, it'd be better. I mean, going back, we needed Saturday as an, a young organization because we didn't have any games in the season at all. Right, and, and it turned it out. It turned into this into the season and. Uh, now we have an average amount of plays, like I think it was 7.5 games played per team for the season. So it's, it really is unimaginable like two or three years ago. So, yeah. Um, I think we're in a better position not to rely so much on that and, and try to give teams a great Nationals experience. Um, well, even if we try to do... Uh, like Kentucky, we did Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That was that would free up. That would you could you could keep your three games, but you could play one on Friday and then and two on Saturday and then do whatever afterwards. Yeah. And if we did midnight dodgeball, that'd be kind of cool on Friday night because most teams are there by midnight anyways. Right. You had one game on Friday night. I mean that would be. I would like to do that at some point, but I didn't. When we when we played at Kentucky, we opted out of the Friday game because we didn't know how our arms would feel playing three days straight. Yeah, that's true. That's also uh, a lot of uh, armchair health officials in the league. 
generally, I've always made that argument is like you're playing so much dodgeball and it's just your dodgeball in itself will match your arm because we're we're stressing ourselves so much, and that, and that four games over the weekend, uh, and especially up to nine games, I think. How much did Grand Valley play? Because they went all the way. Seven. Seven, yeah. Seven games in two days. That's. It's a lot. <laughs> it really is a, insane. Uh, and it's like seven 50-minute halves of, of game time. And even if you're you're being conservative about the shot clock, uh, that's still... Still a lot of throwing. It's a lot of activity. And, and with 15 people, I can see a lot of stuff going wrong. And I... I uh, <laughs> Worried that that's that somebody's gonna tear their tear their arm just because of that. Um, yeah. Not knowing their limits and saying I gotta sit out this, I gotta sit out this game because my arm won't do it. But, right. That was like that kid from Kentucky this year. He he definitely tore his ACL and just continued playing. And uh, Alex Eichelbeck the the EMT on staff, he was. He told him, he said, do not play. You shouldn't even be walking at this point. And then the next game, he was playing again and hurt it even more. And um, the kid's mom was there, and Alex went up to her and said, he's going to have permanent damage if he doesn't stop. But yeah, He did the same thing last year, too. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's like on the varsity track team, too. So that's oh, good. <laughs> yeah, uh... At that point, how serious do you really want to take it? Yeah. Um. It's like I could have played this year at Nationals um, just because I was finishing up my Masters doing those stupid last classes they're making me take. I could have played, but I'm tired. I'm too old. My fingers hurt. My arm hurts. I, I don't want to play anymore. I knew it was time to quit. Um I want to play. I just want to play like pickup and alumni yeah. games and I don't want to play where it matters. <laughs> yeah. Like I like playing the trampoline dodgeball, the ultimate dodgeball and I I'm going to start getting into elite this summer. But whoa, what team are you playing on? I don't know. I got to figure out a team cuz I'm moving to Columbus, so I'm trying to get some of those guys together unless I can join in on another team. There's not a lot of Ohio people, right? No. Generally. I mean, star Grant. He lives in Chicago, right? Uh, Star is from Chicago. Yeah. Collins from Chicago, from MSU. You could probably find some Kent guys. Yeah. yeah I mean, Kent or OSU. There's, there's definitely people that would do it. I, the best advice I give anybody is actually ask people. Cause, yeah. Uh, if I weren't asked to play, I probably wouldn't play. But, and play at Aberdeen nights. Uh, shout out to Aberdeen for being the very genesis of college dodgeball rules. Um, that court was just repaved. But uh, yeah, that's my best is actually invite people to play on, on your team. Create a team. They're probably better. You, know, you kind of like have your own I'm so excited. Um, all right. Uh, where were we 
What are we talking about? Nationals? Yeah, the Nationals format. Any other... Any, uh, yeah, let's do that poll. Just a poll. Not a... And I will include... I, I, before we do that, let's... let's um, let me write up that uh, the ranking things and how they're just. I think I've been slowly explaining it to a lot of people over the league, and uh, it's how we did it last year. Um, how we did the first initial pools is how we rated them, which was a, a giant five five stand five systems going into each other and then making an average out of that. Um, yep. This year was a little bit simplified. We, uh, we didn't include straight win-loss percentage, but uh, Dylan had a great idea, and I mentioned this a couple of times already, a great idea of determining which system had the... which system predicted the upset and and how many upsets were there under a specific system. So which, had, which system had the least amount of upsets? Right. Which I think would be the Gonzalez system... Based on pure mathematical how it, how it's how it's done, yeah, it's the the best strength between the leagues. I think the worst will be per, not Peroni. Peroni would be okay. I don't know. It, it might be kind of bad. <laughs> uh, the worst would be Lieblick, um, I think, just because of the the way the calculation of that one functions with the the strength of schedule. And the way it's affected based on who you play, um, it's not suited for that kind of purpose. So I think that'll help. Yeah. Just going into my my mind bank and seeing, I think that'll be the worst. But it, I think they'll all be pretty good. I think they're all a good indication of a team's strength in a particular way. It's definitely good for what we have now for our league right now with no set schedules, no set maximum amount. It's just. It's good for what we have now. They all measure something different. Yeah. Um, so and the point is uh, I'll get those out as soon as I can. Yeah. Um, Colin's been writing one. Um, I'll try to get Felix to write one when he's off, when he's in his hospital stay for the next week. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'll try to get the general exec board to, to kind of... I forgot about that. ...mesh some stuff together. And then we'll do that poll and see how, how people were satisfied. Yeah. We should have done a poll based on uh, officiating or just uh, biopsy, autopsy for officiating like Bomas has done in previous years. Yeah. Were, by the way, were there any cards thrown? I didn't give any cards. Uh, I There was one situation where I could have, but it was the last game and there's two minutes left. <laughs> Um, so no, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so I just let it go because at that point it would have just created more problems. Yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Um, I didn't give any cards either. I, I, I think we didn't give any cards at at nationals, which is always a good time. Um, no, there were cards against UK. I think either Bomus or Holman. They had to give them out. I think they gave two cards to UK. I don't remember which players that were, but they were yellow cards. I think um, if it was Hallman, then he reported it in, in my notebook notebook thing that I had not digitized yet. So okay. we're not looking at it on 
I want a big, a, a, a small shout out to the refs that that did point statistics. Oh, yep. That's always good. It's a, it's a, you know, it's kind of an easy thing if you're able to do it in a couple seconds after, in, in a couple seconds downtime. Yep. Um, we need to get somebody, some kind of intern, just to, to do like a set and then just do a bunch of like stats on them and be like, okay. The average time of per game, or the average amount of points in a game. Yeah. How long they lasted? It was some fancy graphs. That's what I did. Just to make myself <laughs> interesting. All right. Uh, any passing comments before we shut down? Uh, shout out again to Nick Johnson. Yeah. I, I loved uh, the 300 pounds of fruit that he bought. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. It's like 200 pounds of bananas and then... <laughs> he, he asked me how much he should buy and I was like, I have literally no idea. I just told him several bushels just because <laughs> I don't get to use the word bushel that often. <laughs> and yeah, there was a lot of bananas left. Yeah. <laughs> I think he took them all home. <laughs> so the, the problem was a lot of the so they were picked clean of the ripe ones that were the yeah, ones. and the rest were just never touched. They're like they're too green because they're yeah. not, they're not. <laughs> it was just like people going up looking at it, <laughs> fishing around, and it just it, I guess it it's our gathering our human gathering instinct. We know what bananas are supposed to be look like. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's weird. And the weird things you think about when you're just watching people do stuff like that. <laughs> because you're so tired. You just want to sit down. That's like any time I watch Kevin Bailey do anything, I'm just like, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's real. Oh, man. We should have had an over-under based on how many uh, deodorant sticks he brought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Glenn Fletcher and his shirts that he wears at dodgeball. That is true. <laughs> Dylan, or Kevin Bailey. <laughs> it's the only thing I saw him eat all all weekend. Is deodorant. <laughs> He's the fat unicorn. Eats <laughs> deodorant. Oh man, he gets made fun of in so many things, and it's just great. It's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that'll do it for us. Um, if anybody's watching by the end of this time, is that a corn or a, oh, some kind of hair? It looked like a corn in the thumbnail. <laughs> it looked like corn. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like a Mardi Gras hat. Or a mohawk. Or or a mohawk. That makes more sense. <laughs> I think it's Bomus wearing a mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> This is me when I think uh, about Phil. <laughs> All right. Um, for anyone else, we'll try to get one, a bunch of these happening all the time. Uh, we'll get one in the middle of the day if it works out. Uh, get some early. As always, I'm going to leave you with... Write up your write, write up your stuff, post them to the forum, and please take some of our work out. Yep. Cut some cut of our cut our work out of it. 
If you want to continue to complain about this league, you have to put forth effort. Otherwise, you have no right. Yeah, otherwise, it's not going to get done, and, and yeah. you're going to keep complaining while you're an alumni. So do yourself a favor and do some work. Thank you. All right, see you guys. Thank <laughs> you.